0: welcome thank you for listening to this wholesome word by david entry the words you catch will change your world may your story change from this message be blessed colossians chapter 3 i'm reading from verse 5 to 11 colossians chapter 3 from verse 5 my version is king james version Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek, nor Jew, nor circumcision, nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. 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 Father, what we don't know, teach us. Who we are not, make us. Where we are not, take us. All to the glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please be seated. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Then he starts to enumerate or mention them, list the members. He said, Your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, sometimes you see words like this, it just makes it look spiritual. You don't know what concupiscence is, but the Bible said, evil concupiscence and inordinate affection. Concupiscence is, I think, has to do with strong desire or strong sexual desire. Uncontrollable, untamable libido. <laughs> <laughs> so you see it's not far from you. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the New King James said, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire. So now, it says that fornication, when you read some other translations, use uses the word immorality. Sometimes it depends on the Greek word translated, uh, which is similar, to ponia, ponia, which is translated sometimes as pornography or immorality. So it depends on the way the translators did it, but then, It says that put to death fornication, all right? Or what version is this? NIV. NIV says that sexual immorality. Why did King James say fornication? Fornication, what's the difference between fornication and sexual immorality? Every fornication is sexual immorality. But not every sexual immorality is fornication. So um, sexual relationships outside of the marriage, that's adultery, outside of the marriage. Fornication is when there's no marriage. So every adultery is fornication. Not every fornication is that. So sexual relationship, sexual intimacy, you see. This particular one is talking about sexual intimacy. But what about those who have thought about it and haven't done it? We haven't come to that one. Fornication (laughs) is actually sexual immorality or sexual uh, relationships between people who are not married. Amen. How many of you are familiar with that? I mean, you understand it. (laughs) So, and then it doesn't only say sexual immorality or fornication. It says uncleanness. Give me a different translation. The uncleanness is impurities. The masturbation, the all the other things outside of the real, actual, um, so even flirting, oh, wow. depending on who you are doing it with. False and uh, impur- I And mean, these are things that human beings do. This is not talking about animals, that <laughs> human beings. Yeah, impurities. And sometimes it's interesting how immorality or impurity can be crouching on you in spite of the fact that you are believers. This was not written to unbelievers. It said, you, a believer, you have to put to death. Wow. Else by the time you realize you are living in it. So you are a believer, but it's still active in your life. And being a Christian doesn't inoculate you from these feelings and desires and things. Different from what unbelievers think. Unbelievers usually think when you're a believer, these things are all gone. So most of them look at you and they don't know you are also very alive. You are very alive, the same way. But your advantage is there is an addition into your life. There's an addition to you that affords you ability to exclude yourself from the manifest- those manifestations. That is what makes you a believer. It's not your behavior that makes you a believer, but it's the nature, the life of God that has been put into you. And that, when you read the Amplified Version, put to death is rendered deprived of power. There's no power for evil passions to your flesh to exit. You, you deprive it of power. That's put into death. So it's not physically, as I said the other time, or killing or something, but it's, you don't give... The power has been taken from it. The desires might be lacking, but the power for it to happen, or for, the power for you to live in these things have been taken. So it talks about sexual fornication, impurities, and then it talks about lust. That's the, King James uses the word, inordinate affection, inordinate, something that is beyond what's acceptable. It's inordinate. When something is ordinate, it's like it's within acceptable limits. Uh, is compliant. Inordinate is not compliant. Wild feelings. Yes. <laughs> Wild things. That is why sometimes it is just helpful for a Christian, a believer, not to expose yourself to certain environments that will stir up these inordinate because you are a human being. Is there? So it's it's not that wild party that is the sin but it's going to generate and stir stimulate a certain part of your body that should be dormant the older you are growing the more you understand what stimulation can do (laughs) it will catalyze some stuff on one hand, at one point you are very calm and okay. On another hand, something has been stimulated and this is you spinning out of control. And it's like people don't know that you are that mad or you can be that mad. You can be that wild. They've always credited you with good behavior. <laughs> they, they, should, they, they should wait till your flesh tears up. Inordinate affections, passions, places like I've never been, but I'm told, I might be wrong on this. The partying atmosphere, that in itself is not evil. But the exposure and what goes on there have the propensity to activate, stimulate you in a way that will not be godly. And now the rest of you fight to recover. Because, you know, it's easier to keep up than to catch up. So that is why you just stay, you are safe. There are some movies that you are safe, bro, because of your past addictions. There are some movies that you are safe not watching. It's not like the movie is a sin, but it is the environment within it, what it purports, what it's, it's... It's meant to stimulate something in you. It will trigger something, and you don't want it triggered. Because sometimes the problem is not your level of discipline. Some things when they are triggered, that's where you realize you are not that disciplined. Oh yeah. Uh, We all have a limit to which we can be disciplined. (laughs) Oh yes. So the subject of discipline is always applicable to anybody. Anybody. Some is, has to relation with food. Some relation with sex. Some relation with fashion or possession. Some relation with passions, anger. Some in relation with girls, boys. Some in relation with different things. Discipline, sleep. Mm-hmm. Some relation with work. Some relation is lying, not lying. Some of us, we have to do a lot of discipline. It's too hard not to lie. Because lying is second nature to you. You don't have to think, you just lie naturally. (laughs) So it says, put off these things and evil concupiscence. And evil concupiscence has got to do, as I said, last. Evil last. Last is evil in itself. So when you say evil last, it's not like qualifying the last by describing the nature of last by itself. You know, concupiscence is just evil by nature. He said, put to death. These things are, this is very interesting. These are Christians. He's talking to Christians, and not just Christians, a whole church. It's Christian. So why do you suppose that being a Christian means that you are fine? You can do anything, you can go anywhere, you are safe. You are still not safe. You can be saved, but not safe. That's why on Thursday I was teaching on the life of Christ that is able to save you. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, we are saved by his life. That life, when it begins to find an expression in you, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, that life is what will save you from these evil concupiscence. Saves you from, because then, most people, when we are not born again, we are like slaves to some of these things, depending on where our strengths are. We are like slaves to it, but when you are born again, the life of Christ saves you from this. doesn't happen um, objectively. It happens subjectively. What do I mean? Objective salvation is, I believe in Jesus, you are saved. You don't have to do anything. Just believe in you are saved. Subjective salvation is based on certain things you do. All right? So then the life of Christ, so you are, when you're a believer, you have the life of Christ in you. But it doesn't mean the life of Christ is being manifested in you. So the manifestation of the life of Christ in you is subjective. That is why every believer must be careful what you are nurturing in you, what you expose yourself to, because these are all subjective. Prayer life, your prayer life is subjective. How effectively you can pray is subjective to you and whatever your conditions and all that. So there are things that have happened. You are a child of God, it's not subjective. Once you believe in Christ, objectively you are a child of God. But subjectively, now you have to live that life. And so the life of Christ we allow to dominate us is what makes us look like Christ. Now it says that mortify all these things and then the last one is covetousness, which is idolatry. Very interesting. Let's see how New Living Translation puts it, please. Uh, It's very interesting. Verse 5. Put to death the sinful Earthly things lurking within you. Say lacking within me. Within Say it again, please. How many of you agree with me? Yeah, something is lacking in, in you. It's there until you die from this earth. That's what Bible calls it, our vile bodies. Lacking within you. Having nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. Watch this. what he's saying about greedy greed. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshipping things of the world. You see, so I want this, I want this, I want it eventually, your feelings and things control you. Not the life of God. That's why I said, which is idolatry. Look at the Message Bible. Message Bible is quite an interesting way too. It says that, and that means killing of every thing connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it. And grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. It's very interesting. uh, You can be a Christian, but your life is shaped by feelings. Your life is shaped by things and not... God. So that's why I said idolatry there. Uh, covetousness is idolatry. Because things and feelings are shaping and controlling your life. But when you are a Christian, the beauty of being a Christian is that the life of God is in you. And now, via the, it says that, last Sunday, uh, mortify the desires of the flesh by the Spirit. If you by the Spirit are able to put to death. So it takes the Spirit which we have by God's grace. Now, Moving on to the verse 6. It says in the verse 6 that, for which things? Oh, no. Last Thursday I mentioned this particular subject of the wrath of God. I mean, religious superstition, not superstition, but religious. I don't want to say that. Okay, people whose work with God is just pure religion based on human systems have redefined God. So some of us grew up with a wrong perception and concept of God, even though you claim to grow up in a a Christian family. You can grow up in a Christian environment, a Christian family, and still have the wrong concept of God. Wrong concept. And our definition of God is largely at the mercy of how we have been brought up. Because you don't know God naturally. You must be taught God. Yeah. So if you must be taught God like A B C D, you didn't know A, B, C D naturally. You were taught A for Apple, A A Apple, B for Bravo, ba, bo, Boy, phonetics. You, you need to be taught. In the same way, can you imagine if you are taught that A is for upper? <laughs> <laughs> and you grow up all your life eh, for under or upper now it will take a lot for someone to re- we have to be reoriented rewired and re that's what pure biblical teachers are supposed to do so we come to church and we are all reoriented towards God, his purpose and his person So that's what we are doing now. To be reoriented, especially even the subject of church. The subject of church. Many people don't have a clue what the church is. They've been in church from the day they were born and they are over 60 and still don't have a clue of what the church is so long as God's plan is concerned. And that's all because of teachers. Don't downplay who teaches you the word of God. Never take it for granted who teaches you the word of God, because you see, that's why I'm interested in how you settle, because it can affect you. Because what people think is church, especially when you are going to do ministry, poor people think is ministry. It's not really ministry. Some of them they define, it's a redefinition of industry, by as ministry. It is. It is. So then, why did I have to say this? This. This. I think it started in the late 90s, or maybe actually 70s. Billy Graham used to teach that a lot, but it has been taken out of context as time goes on about this love of God. So someone says that if God is love, why won't he allow me to enjoy my life? Why won't he allow me to, if I want to love a cat, that's me. So it's like there's this God who doesn't have anything doing, and he's just there to make sure your life is happy told you that God. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not there to make you happy. (laughs) The God of the Bible is not just there to be be answering prayers. Why are so many prayers unanswered? The God of the Bible is not there like a superman to help people who are hungry, who are dying, who are starving. No, that, that, that let me tell you, that's a wrong depiction. That's why atheists will say, if there is God, why are people suffering? It depends on how you define the God you are talking about. It depends on how you define the devil. This God we are talking about is the God who came as a human being to save us from our sins. Outside of that, you have the wrong conception of God. If you have not met the God who saves from sins, who saves from hell, you have not actually, you've not been told the the true God. God has wrath. He's not only a God of love. Yes, I have. It's not just he doesn't have love, he's love. Yeah, three things God Bible says God is. Three things. He is light. First John chapter one, verse five. He's light. Bible says that he's love. God is love. Said first John chapter 4, verse 16. Said, God is love, and anyone who dwells in love dwells in. God is love. So God is light, God is love. And John, it looks like John likes saying all these things. John is deep. In John chapter 4, verse 24, it said, God is a spirit. God is a spirit. So God is certainly love. But we have to be very biblical in our definition of the God of love. Because they have stretched it to mean that if God is love, he can't have anger. He can't have wrath. They have elevated the love attributes of God to butcher his justice. <laughs> so, because he's a God of love, he shouldn't have justice. Then, what's the point of a law which there will not be consequence when you break it? God is a God of justice. That's why he has wrath. Bible talks about Romans chapter 1 verse 18. He said, for the wrath of God is revealed. What? Can you imagine? So God has wrath. The wrath of God is revealed. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 talks about the the wrath. The wrath. We can be saved from wrath. Romans chapter 2 verse 5. Romans chapter 2 verse 5 talks about an impertinent heart treasures up. Give us New King James, please. You are treasuring up for yourself wrath on the day of wrath. There's a day of wrath coming. That's the day God will actually now show his wrath. So God has wrath. And then Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6, it talks about children of disobedience. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God. And here in Colossians chapter 3 verse 6, it said, for the sake of these things. Do you, can you imagine? For the sake of these things, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Because of, because of fornication. Because of impurities. It's, no. I'm not saying something different from what the scripture is saying. New King James from verse 5. Look at New King James from verse 5. Let's all read it out now. Let's go. Your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now look at the next verse. Let's go. Because. Of, one more time. For the last time because of what are these things referring to these things that have, because of these things the wrath of god is coming but the wrath of god never comes to believers this wrath you are talking about is coming upon the sons of disobedience ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 and ephesians chapter 5 we just read ephesians five. but ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 it says in which you once walked according to the course of this world According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in who? The sons of... So there is a spirit that works in people who are not in Christ. They are called the sons of... Another term for them is sons of disobedience. Not because he's a bad person, she's a bad person. She doesn't have to be an evil person. She doesn't have to be an evil person. But by nature, it's disobedient to them. It's independent. I live my own life. I make my own rules. I live the way I want to live. Not really God telling me what I should do. And sometimes even when you know there is a law of God, the sons of disobedience, I, 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 my, I still make my own decisions in spite of God. And He says that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. For the sake of these things, the wrath is coming. That's why when you're a Christian, you don't have to be so upset with someone because of their sins. That's, that's, that's now you're also moving to a different realm. You are so upset with someone because of their sins. You don't, you don't even feel they deserve to be helped if they are hungry. Don't give him food. because this a sinner. No, 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 no. Please, please, don't. He's a sinner. I can never help a sinner. I don't think you know God. The closer you are to God, the more merciful you become. The closer you are to God, the the, the more... Loving, loving. There's a difference between endorsement and acceptance. You can accept someone without endorsing their behavior. Like your family member who has this deplorable, damnable attitude. It's your family member. You can accept them, but it doesn't mean you endorse their behavior. So in the same way, a Christian must not be on a crusade against people because they are not Christians you can't I'm against you our crusade is to preach the gospel and our crusade is to present Christ that's all we have got to say not even stop your sins our message is not stop sinning our message is come to Christ they are kind of two different things because people can stop the bad you say they should stop But still, there's another side of them that is very anti God. So, our message is one. For God so loved the world that He gave you. You don't have to die in your sins when you can die in Christ. That's our message. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. That power that brings salvation is in the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew and then to the Greeks. For in it, mm, the righteousness of God is revealed. In the gospel, from faith to faith. Then it says that for the wrath of God is revealed. After that, another one spoke about the righteousness of God before the wrath of God. The preaching in Acts never mentioned, God is love. They actually spoke about the righteousness of God. The justice of God. And the sinfulness of man. So it says that for which things seek the wrath of God comes. And look at the verse 7. Very interesting. It says in the verse 7 that in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. We were all coming from somewhere now. Hmm. One way or the other. How were you walking in these things? The manifestation of the flesh, the members were ruling you. And if the members rule you one way or the other, sometimes obviously or covertly, these things will be active. In your life. But sometimes we judge ourselves by others. We look at this way and think, I'm better. I'm, I'm not as bad as the police. It's not got anything to do with others. It has everything to do with you and God. You and Christ. So it says that we once used to live like that. Then, verse 8. Today I'm covering a lot of verses very quickly. Verse 8. But now, someone say, But now. Okay. But now. But now what? you yourselves are not Holy Ghost doing it for you. You yourself are to do what? This. this is interesting. Watch this. The first five, it said kill, mortify. But verse eight, is said put off. So you mortify these physical things. Physical desires. These desires that are heavily embedded in your members. He said, kill them. And then when it comes to the next one, he said, anger. This seems to be psychological. These are in a different realm of your being. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Oh, I like the way the message puts it. He said, It's like old clothes. You have to take it off. Wow. That's the old man. Message Bible says that. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Both online and on WhatsApp. <laughs> dirty talk. Talk there does not mean what you just come. what says out of your, mind, your expression. Yes. Dirty talk. He said, put all these things. You see how interestingly he was teaching the Colossians how not to hinge their Christian work on behavior. Let no one judge you, if don't do this. But on another hand, he's now depicting, the, let me tell you something. He's not talking about just a person's individual behavior as he's talking about Someone who is part of the body of Christ. And this thing should find an expression in all of us corporately. I'm going to emphasize a bit more on that. But it says that put off all these things. Put off all these things. There are things we have to put off. It's like, take it off. New Living Translation. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. It's time. Tell someone it's time. it's time. Some of you, I know you will not say it because you don't think it's time. It's time. It's time to put some things off. It's time to put some. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. How? By putting off the body of. The sins of the flesh. Put off the body of the sins of the flesh. Seriously. Put off. (laughs) Put off. That these things picks up on Colossians chapter 2. If you have passed already, said put off. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away. That's a another way of putting off. It's talking about the body of sin. So the old man was crucified. Who is this old man that has been crucified? When the Bible uses the word the old man, it's talking about your natural self. And everyone was born with a natural self. Your natural self, who you actually originally are outside of any other thing, God, God, your natural self. And he says that that old man was crucified, said that, okay, the amplifier says that we know that our old self, now that word self in itself, it's not a wholly accurate translation. I'll I'll come to that. But we know that the old self, better still the old man, our human nature without the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about old man, your human nature. So some people, will, oh, that's about, I'm just being natural. I'm just being me, me, me. Yeah. They ask for me. That, that, that old man is the same described or referred to as the I in the I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. So when he says that I am crucified, that I, is the old man and the old man, watch this very carefully the old man, I'm going to get a slightly technical the old man is your soul life you know you have a man as spirit, soul a man is a spirit, he has a soul and a body a human being, every human being there are three parts your spirit, your soul and body and every aspect must be taken care of your spiritual. Some people only take care of their spirit. But the more spiritual you are, you, you get a sense to take care of your soul. And you become sensible enough to take care of your body. The way somebody is reckless about your body tells me you are not spiritual. Because spirituality is usually all-encompassing. Spirit, true spirituality does not leave the other parts of your existence. That's why I tell students, if you are very spiritual, you will not be failing exam by heart. Because you can't say I'm so spiritual and you don't study. You can't be so spiritual that you, you, sometimes you get so angry you lose, your, you lose control. Hmm. What spirituality is that? So spirit, true spirituality affects every aspect of your entire being. Spirit, soul, and body. Now watch this. When you are not in Christ, when you don't have Christ, you are just spirit, soul, and body. You still have spirit, but your spirit is irresponsible to God. You are not alive to God. And your soul, watch this, there's a life, the real life of you. The soul becomes the leading part of your existence, not your spirit. That's why people are so dominated by their feelings. Yeah. What they want to eat, where they want to go, what they enjoy, them, who, they, who they love. I love you so much. I, I can't do anything. I love you so much. And you, you can be stalking someone because you just love them. Yeah. Yeah, people can do that. Dominated, obsessive. Dominated by their soul life. And it's many people... Can you imagine if you have lawmakers who are just souls? There'll be a coalition course with Christian values. Because it's. The, the, if, I make, if I'm a thief and I'm making a law, I won't add theft. <laughs> no, no. How, how can I make a law against theft when I'm a thief and I can't stop it? So I have to redefine theft and say that it's just a weakness in humanity. <laughs> 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 you yeah, understand what I'm saying. That is what the Bible says. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When righteous people rule, it's important. Let me not go too much into that. So your soul life, there is a life of the real you. The soul, it becomes your, the dominant part of your existence. Now, when you come into Christ, it is not the soul that is crucified. It is the life of the soul. So it doesn't mean the soul dies, but that leading part, the, the real you, that finds its expression dominantly from the soul and affects every aspect of your being. When it says that I am crucified with Christ, it's not your soul, but it's that life in the soul. And God wants it out of the way so that the life of Christ now becomes the dominant part in your soul. That's what it is about. So then the life of Christ becomes the dominant part of your living. The soul life must go; it must be crucified. So now, when he talks about the old man is crucified on the cross, he's talking about that I am that I, my nature, my natural self, who I am by nature, must find its way on the cross. And God wants that who every one of us is to stay on the cross. Hey, that's my nature. That's my inclination. That's how I feel. That's how I, All those things, the center of you must find its way on the cross so that now the new life in Christ, when you come into Christ, God, when you become born again, as I said about two weeks ago, when you become born again, two things that happen to you, the life of Christ is injected in you. And not only that, the spirit of God is also in you. And you have the supply of the Spirit, and you have the life of God. And you can afford to live from the life of God when you make it become the center of your living. So then, you can have the life of God and still not live by it. That's what we call soulish Christian, psychicos. You live from your soul, but not from your spirit. Because the life of God is in your spirit. And watch this. When the life of God is injected in your spirit, the plan is for it to start to spread to renewing your soul. The mind is the leading part of your soul. So your soul, so the more you turn to your spirit and the spirit, Bible says walk in the spirit and you don't fulfill the desires of it, the more the soul takes the back seat or the soul life cannot influence you. That's when the the beauty of a Christian life begins to emerge, which is not necessarily based on religious norms, but it's based on the life of Christ in a person. That's when God, watch this, not only the life and the mannerisms of God will be expressed in you, which is called godliness, also the purpose of God, the program of God, the agenda of God finds an easy expression in your life when the life of Christ is dominating your life. People who are full of just good behavior, that's all. It's good, please don't get me wrong. Good behavior, if all your Christian life is just good behavior, you don't steal, you don't cheat, you don't lie, you don't immorality, you don't do... That means your spirituality is handicapped. It's not complete. Because the more godly you are, it's not only behavior, but also you fulfill. God God has an agenda, God has a program, God has a plan. How can you claim to be working with God so much, but yet his plan doesn't find an expression through your life? All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are according to his. We always leave the, his purpose out. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It talks about he works all things according to his... God has an agenda. God has a counsel. He has a plan. What? Much of our Christian life should be lived in exploring the plan of God on earth first and then where I, what role I play in the plan of God. Why are we alive? Is God up to something at all? Are you just safe to just be... Blessed, I have money, I have this, I have health. <laughs> that, that's incomplete salvation. You've got something wrong. How well, come that there are people who never had money, who never had all those things, and yet they were fulfilling the plan of God? And their rating in heaven is higher than the one because God's attention is primarily This God's plan and God's attention is primarily hinged on his purpose. By his purpose, is no without you. You are part of his plan. He are, and what is he doing? He's building his family on earth for a time when everything will be gone and what will be left of is his temple. So when you read Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, let me say this. I like making reference to Ephesians a lot because Ephesians is very significant. When you read Ephesians, Ephesians gives you God's portrait of the church. You don't know what the church is about Until you read Ephesians and understand Ephesians, Ephesians is a book dedicated to giving us a clearer picture of what the church is to God and what God plans with the church. It's a very important thing. And the first portrait that was depicted in Ephesians about the church is that in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 23, the church is the body of Christ. That's a very big mystery. The church is the body of Christ. So, then the life of Christ in the church is what makes the church active. That's why we can't be having church without Christ. All the places you see, they say church and Christ is not centralized. No church. It's a social gathering. And preaching is not good if it's not Christ centered. No church preaching is sound when it's not Christ centered. It doesn't matter. You can touch on other things. But at the base of it is this Christ thing. And so, portrayed as the body of Christ. Then he didn't leave it there. He takes it further in the chapter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, by portraying the church as the kingdom of God and we, his citizens. And that's a strong, that it's a kingdom. And the citizens of the kingdom are you and I, who are in Christ. And he didn't just leave it there. He takes it even further. That just not a citizen is a household. So, when you go to the Buckingham Palace or the royal family, it's one family. And everybody has his role to play. in And now God is saying that the church is a family, the household of God. And we are members of this household. Then it looks like that was not enough. Then he takes it a little bit further than just the body of Christ, just the kingdom of God, the household of God, by saying we are the temple. We we the church is the temple of God. We have been Ephesians chapter 2. We have been built up into a holy temple. What? Built together into a dwelling place of God. It's a holy temple. I know the translation. Into a holy temple that that grows. So look at the look at the portraits the Bible is giving us about church. That's why when I see people make mention of church flippantly in a cavalier manner, I feel that you don't actually know the church. I've said this before. Many years ago, this is about 19 or 18 years ago, I was watching Christian television and this big international Christian superstar was talking and then he said that, you know, when, when Christ comes back, he won't go to the church. He'll go to the marketplace, go to the homeless people on the street. What is he going to do there? <laughs> Maybe you're not thinking far. Because see, the depiction of God is going to people who are homeless, people who are hungry, people who are living in sin, and they are the prostitutes, the addicts. Those are the people he's going to. I can can imagine what he's trying to say, which is not bad in itself. Trying to tell that the church, let's reach out to, let's not just stay in our cocoon or our bubble and think it's just us, me, oh, it's me. No, there are people out there we have to reach out to. Who's going to tell them? So that's what he was trying to say. But the way he presented that when Christ is not coming to the church was a very, very unhealthy presentation because the church is the house of God. Why would you go somewhere when he, he's coming? He's coming home. To home. He's coming, to home. He's coming to home. He's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Did you understand? He's coming, he's coming to his family. Yes. When you travel and go somewhere and... When you are coming, you can't wait to go back to your family. Yeah. Yeah. So God is Christ. Because the church is so precious. Yeah. So he said, the church is the body of Christ. Watch this. The church is his body. His body. The church is his body. But that's, I'm believing this point too much because the meat is coming. Mm-hmm. Much more. Mm. They present the church. This has not been taught very much in the modern day church. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, thus, he presents the church as the one new man. Wow. He says that, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so wash this, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. That's why Christ came to the cross. To create one new man, he picks one and he picks two different entities. No wonder Ephesians Mm -hmm. chapter 2 verse 20 says that Christ himself is the cornerstone, Mm -hmm. is the gluing aspect. Listen, we can be good friends, but it doesn't mean we can work together as Christians Mm -hmm. effectively unless Christ is the bonding agent. If you marginalize Christ, what makes your marriage a Christian marriage is how Christ is the center of the marriage. How Christ, is. maybe marriage from your background is very bad. It's always, there's a lot of fighting. It's like a karate lessons. <laughs> but when Christ becomes the center, it doesn't matter the feelings. Christ has a way of keeping the two together. Now, listen to this. He said, himself is our peace who has abolished the ordinances and created in himself. In So he's the sphere of creation. Everything happens inside Christ. So he creates in himself one new man from the two. So he takes this one and takes this one and joins them, and you see the two, they have this one new man. Thereby making peace. Now, he's not talking about just two individuals, he's talking about different factions. Yes. Initially, Jews and Gentiles. Because Jews and Gentiles don't mix in worship. But Jesus Christ took away the divisions and brought Jews and Gentiles and created what was this one new man? It's the church. Now the church is one new man. If anyone be in Christ, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he's a new creation. The church is the one new man. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. We read it earlier, we saw it earlier on. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. And that you put on the new man. There's a new man. Now, you see, you see put on here. Colossians said put off. Now, you are not just putting something off, but there's something else you are supposed to be wearing. You are supposed to, in uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 40, it said, put on Christ. What? So I can wear Christ? Oh, yeah. Colossians chapter 3, verse 27, it said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So like the Lord Jesus Christ becomes like a coat that you can wear. Put on. But before you put on, it says put off. So, put off the old man. Now, now, let's look at the text again. Colossians chapter 3. Is someone with me? Colossians chapter 3 from verse 8. But now you yourself are to put off all these things. And then it mentions all that. Look at verse 9. Oh, no. It said, do not lie to one another. Tell somebody, don't lie to one another. <laughs> A child was asked in Sunday school, what is lies? He said, lies is an abomination to God but a very present help in time of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lies can be very present help in time of trouble. <laughs> is that Colossians 3 verse 9, please, quickly. Colossians, do not lie to one another since you have, watched this, Did you notice that one, verse 5, it says that mortify the members. Then the next verse, verse 8, says that put off. So first one, it says mortify. Then verse 8, it says put off or put away. Then verse 9, look at verse 9. Put off behavior. uh, Put off, mortify the members. Put off those internal, uh, you know, psychological things in your life. The put of the now, verse 9 says that put of the old man with face this. So now it's the even the entire you as for me, as for me, as for me. That is what is giving the church a problem. Yeah. Devil is not the problem of the church. Oh. The old man, your old man, you. Wow. Because someone is likely to cross you and your old man will wake up from the cross. You <laughs> jump out of the cross. You, you know who you are dealing with. <laughs> Why are you interested in my boyfriend? Ah-ha. Uh-huh. It will bring your old man alive very quickly. (laughs) The old man. He says, Now put off the old man with his deeds. And he doesn't stop there and watch this. Let's go to the next verse with his deeds. And have put on the new man. That's where I'll be getting. He said, You have put on the new man, watch this, who is renewed. Didn't we find out that the new man was created? In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 15, the new man was created. But now here it says the new man is renewed. Creation and renewal are two different things. When you come into Christ, the new man is created in your spirit. To live the life of Christ because Colossians, you know, they have been invaded with all kinds of ideas in their mind. So now the new mind is renewed in our minds. So, so put on the new man, let's go, put on the new man which renewed in knowledge. The more you get to know Christ as the image of God, who is the expression of the church, the more you grow in the knowledge of Christ as the image of God the more you are putting on the new man. The more you can actually live the, watch this, the church life. Because the new man is not, you know I made mention of the word self. When you look at English Standard Version or New American Standard Version, they use the word new self. Self is kind of not the appropriate translation. Because self is just, but the new man Man there is not talking about, the Greek word, that translated man, I think, neos or something like that. It's not talking about a person, it's talking about humanity. Alright, so anytime you come across, man must not live by bread alone, he's not talking about male. So that means women can live by bread alone, no. (laughs) (laughs) He's not talking about male, he's talking about Humanity. And so this new man is talking about new humanity because the old humanity, God created the old man, but the old man was infested with sin. So now God had to terminate the old man on the cross in order to germinate the new man on the cross. So the cross was doing two things, terminating the old man and germinating the new man. And then when you come into Christ, the new man is created in you. Now it's in your spirit. It must then begin to grow to renew your mind, to renew your soul. So you put on the new man who is renewed. said, so who is renewed in knowledge according to the, the knowledge is in accordance with the image of Christ who created him. Now, The more you know Christ as the image of God, the more effective you can be as an instrument or a vessel in the hands of God. So you see, this Christian thing is not so much resting on just pure behavior for other religious people to compete with me on grounds of behavior. If it's just pure religion, then you have missed what God is about, what the church is about. And what Christianity is about. Christianity has a lot of beautiful and heavy, wonderful, godly behavior. But that is not the core of Christianity. The core of Christianity is the life of Christ becoming our life. And we're living it within the church context. Oh, let me read. Let me, if I say church context, people may not get it. Within the corporate life. That's what I mean by church. So it's not just me. How is that you are, you, are, you are so strong a Christian and you don't have allies? You don't, you don't have Christian brethren you serve God with, you worship with, you get on with, you study together with, no, you are not living a Christian life. You are, not li- you are living a self-life. Don't take anyone serious who tells you, me, I'm just Christian, that's why I don't even do church. You actually don't know Christ. You don't know Christ. If you know Christ, then the immediate thing you do is you're going to look for church. If you really, the gospel that tells you about Mary's son, that went to the cross, and after that, nothing is not telling you about the resurrected Jesus, who is the high priest, who is the captain of our salvation, who is our forerunner. It doesn't tell you that Jesus Christ, who is the life of the body, or the head of the body of Christ. The gospel that does not depict Jesus Christ as the head of the body, it's not a complete gospel. It's not a complete goal. How do you behead the church? (laughs) You put the head somewhere and you put the body somewhere and say, no, me, I don't have anything to do with the body. It's just the head. You actually don't understand what the head is. What is the head without the body? And all of it all, what is a body without Without a head? head. It's a corpse, not a body. It's a corpse. (laughs) So if you are united with the head, it will show. In your behavior in the body. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Someone of us offended me in church. Get over yourself. Yeah. Put that self on the cross. Yeah. This thing is not about oh, you. Right. I don't like the way they treated me. I don't like the way they talk to me. I don't like blah, 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 blah. you are so much full of your soul life. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like the way my sometimes my wife talks to me, and because of that, you know, I'm not going following her to church. I'm not going to church. Listen, get over yourself, okay? We all don't like some things. But really, it's not about us. Mm. Didn't I tell you about speed cameras? Mm. I, don't, I just don't like them. <laughs> but it's not about me. It's my car. But it's not about me. There are other road users yeah. <laughs> who are very happy with the speed cameras <laughs> because of dangerous people like you who want to drive in here. Yeah. Yeah. So the point I'm making is that the more Christian you are, the more you are able build the church with others. When I'm talking, about I'm not talking about eternal life, international, prophetic agenda, church, <laughs> international. I'm not talking about a particular name. But the best way to be able to be effective in a church is within the local church context. Because you have, the local church is like a commitment. You are there, they know you. Someone can call you to account. When you don't show up in church, can you imagine if you go get up and go to any church, the Lord leads you. You wake up in the morning, Holy Ghost, what church should I go? See, <laughs> when you hear the Holy Ghost say, go here, and you come and tell me the Holy Ghost said go to this other one, I can guarantee you it's not the Holy Spirit you heard. It is not. Because Holy Spirit is not interested in this kind of infantile behavior. <laughs> pediatric, pediatric kind of spirituality. <laughs> Holy Spirit won't answer that kind of question. Didn't Saul of Tarsus asked the Lord Jesus, said, what do you want me to do? He said, just go, disciples will help you. Go to be discipled. Anyone who marginalizes your church doesn't have the true revelation of God. The church is the one new man. And watch this: put up the old man and put on the one new man. That's even deeper than just behavior. That's deeper than just behavior. After behavior, it shouldn't be a problem. Put it off. But don't just say I've topped this. I've topped this. I've topped this. I've topped this. How about what are you wearing now? Put on the new man. Put on the church life. It's a corporate life. It's a corporate man, Pastor. Biden doesn't say Shoda sure, is a corporate man. Let me end on that. Look at the verse eleven. Look, let's okay. Let's start from verse ten. Watch this. And have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there, in this new man? There is no Greek, Jew, circumcised uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. That's the new man. It's in all and in all. How does the message Bible put it? Let's read the message Bible. Let's go. Insider, Insider and outsider. And outside, uncivilized uncivilized and, and, uncouth, and uncouth. Slave and free. Me, nothing. From now on, everyone everyone Hallelujah. This whole thing is about Christ. Christ is me, Christ in you. That's the grounds on which I can marry you. That's the grounds on which I can have fellowship with you as Christian fellowship. Is the Christ in you, not the you I don't like. Is the Christ in you. Christ in you. Did you receive something? Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to Connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more Spirit-filled messages from Karis Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the message. Be blessed.